There's nothing like my Sleep Number bed. I love it. And the Sleep Number bed lets me choose the comfort and support that's just right for me. It adjusts on each side, so it's the perfect bed for couples. Now there's the amazing new Sleep Number 360 bed. It's so smart, it actually senses your every move and automatically adjusts to you, so you stay sleeping comfortably throughout the night. And did you know many of us fall asleep faster if our feet are gently warmed? The Sleep Number 360 bed can even pre-warm each side of the bed. Does your bed do that? My Sleep Number setting is 90. My Sleep IQ score last night was 81. Come in during the biggest sale of the year where all the beds are on sale, including the new Sleep Number 360 smart beds. Plus, save 50% on an innovative limited edition bed now through Labor Day. You'll only find Sleep Number at any of the 550 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find one nearest you. Call 1-800-390-9100 or visit sleepnumber.com and be sure to tell them George Norrie sent you. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Most cultures, Martin, talk about trying to rid yourself of your ego. Um, Give me the definition based on your work on what you think the ego is, and why do they say that? Well, in part, that's a culturally specific question, um, because what any culture that deals with that question, what they make the ego out to be and why they think it's a problem and why it should be overcome and then how that's done and then what is achieved through doing that, there's a lot of variation there. So that's one of the things I always like to emphasize when talking about religions is that they're all very, very different from each other. I think in, in modern culture a little bit, um, we tend to... Um, want to say, well, you know, they're all part of the same thing, or maybe they're all pointing to the same truth or, or some capacity uh, that might be correct, but they're, they're also wildly different from each other. So I think that that's something that it's always important to really specifically talk about this tradition versus this tradition and what they say is going on there. And then I also have my own particular views on that that are generated out of my own personal experience which also led me to disagree with various uh, religious articulations of exactly what this problem and issue may be and what to do about it and what the results you get from that are. So um, that would be my general answer to that. And also say that, you know, the problem with the ego... But what, what is the ego? Is it us? What is it? Well, so I can answer that from various traditional... Uh, viewpoints, or I could also share with you just my own. So where would you like me to start, I guess? I, uh, well, yours is probably pretty good, so let's okay. try it with you. All right. Well, my primary definition of the ego is, for first of all, we could say that, look, the ego is your sense of self, and it's your sense of self that you distinguish from what you also think is not yourself. And so at, at one level, like, here I am talking to you on the phone, And at a very immediate level, I might say, well, hey, the phone is not me. It's a tool that I'm using. So that's not me. So there's a subject-object relationship that's taking place here. And the the thing or entity that I think I am, we're going to call that Martin, and that's the guy who's who's holding the phone and is talking on the phone. And then there's another person on the other end of the phone, and that's George. And, well, he definitely doesn't seem to be me, so that's – he's a – He's another object of my experience, but he's also the subject of his own experience, or he has his own subject-object relationship. And so the ego, at a very fundamental level, is making these, we could call them dualistic distinctions between self and other, what is me and what I think is not me in some capacity. 
And more technically, the way that I would describe the ego is that it's actually just a collection of energetic patterns that we've used to create a false sense of self with which we are attached and we identify with those patterns. And that through that, it creates this image or character that we then identify with and say, well, yeah, that's me. That's who I am. So I have these particular characteristics. I sound this way. I act this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use my body in this particular kind of way, and I inhabit these postures, and I identify with these kinds of objects or ideas or beliefs, whatever they may be. But I would describe all of these as being patterns of energy. Um, and that what is underneath that is a universal consciousness, which is not identified as any particular person or individual. So um, the term that I like to use for that is God, that there is this one universal intelligence that actually is all of reality, and that through the construct of the ego, this one universal intelligence is effectively performing as different characters within its own self-created movie or this grand theater of reality that we experience. I also like to call it the reality game, that we're kind of all characters on the board of the reality game. And through the energetic structures of the ego, which are so very convincing that this universal consciousness actually comes to believe that it is the particular individual people that it experiences itself as. Um, So I would also define that, so here's where the problem is, that when we identify too strongly with the character that we're playing, rather than the universal consciousness that we are, that that actually leads to all different kinds of suffering Mm -hmm. and confusion. Um, A metaphor that I like to use is, well, just imagine if there was an actor playing a character in a movie and that actor became convinced that he or she actually was the character in the movie and was never able to break character. And everyone else around him was like, don't you know that you're actually so-and-so? You're not the person that you're playing here? No, no, I really am this character. And that effectively, that's the problem of the ego. So it's not that it's malicious. It's not that it's inherently bad or corrupt. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that through this masking of the ego that we create a false sense of self. And then as we're attached to that, we become threatened by what we perceive of as being other. So we might look at another person and say, well, that person's not me. And so I'm afraid of that person, or we can put, then put a political face on that or an ethnic face on that or a religious face on that and say, oh, those people, they're the ones who are wrong. They're the ones who are bad. And this is, you know, of course, what leads to war and racism and sexism and all different kinds of violence and exploitation of these divides that we have between who we say is us or me and those other people or the others in some capacity. and also creates a sense of divide from reality itself, where we maybe we feel that we're, you know, at an existential level that we're alienated from the universe or that we're not part of the earth, that we're just visitors or something that, you know, that we're not, we're not connected in, in these really significant ways. Um, so that's kind of the danger of the ego, that it provides a very important social function and allows for certain forms of human creativity, but really all forms of human creativity. Can it hold you back too, though, at the same time? It definitely can, and that's one of the primary 
problems, aside from the confusion that the ego creates, is that it also works as an editing and censoring function. And so I like to talk about things energetically. So as the ego is a collection of energetic patterns that if we have natural energies that arise within us that our ego has come to learn is bad or wrong or wants to dissociate from, that that actually creates blocks within our overall system. And, and here I example that I always like to go to because I love my dog because my dog is super sweet. What kind of breed do you have? Uh, we ha- she, you'd never know it by looking at her. Um, we had her genetically tested and it turns out she's 75% Rottweiler and 25% German short-haired pointer and boxer. But we were told she was maybe a Bisenji or some kind of Australian red healer. I mean, she's a small, like 40 pound dog and it's really super cute. But anyway, my dog Moxie, I, I always like to use her as a counterexample that you know, when somebody knocks on the door, she's not a she's not a barker dog. But if somebody knocks on the door, she's she's got to bark. She she has to do it. There is an energetic input and stimulus, and her energy arises, and then she naturally expresses that. And so, in in that sense, she's very clear. She's very pure. That there's no inhibitions within the dog. That if she feels something, she's going to act on it. And then later, she's not going to go back and say, oh well. Did I sound too mean when I barked that way? Like, maybe I should try barking another way next time. Or, or maybe I should just shouldn't bark at all. Right? She doesn't second-guess herself. She doesn't then become her own critic and judge, which is what we as humans with these human egos, these complex human egos, we do that to ourselves all the time. We're constantly editing and censoring ourselves, and then we're judging whether we did something the right way or wrong way. And then, you know, depending on the culture that we're raised in, you know, the culture that, that we live in may or may not accept what our own natural proclivities might be. So here, an example I like to use is, you know, just imagine that you're a young Puritan growing up in New England, um, and it, your culture says that it is um, cavorting with the devil if you dance. Right. And they probably would say that. Yeah. Oh, they definitely did. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was part of Puritanical culture is that you shouldn't be dancing. But, you know... You take a little kid and you put on a beat of music, and man, little kids, they like to move to it. They so there's like a to natural dance. inclination. There's an energetic input and there's an energetic response. But through the cultivation of the ego that says this is right and this is wrong and this is good and this is bad, that then someone who grows up maybe wanting to dance is, is then going to have all kinds of fears around dancing and think that it's evil and it's going to shut them down. And so there, that's why I like to call that the ego is a prison that actually what by cre- identifying with these structures and really believing in them, that we're actually creating prisons for ourselves and that it's fundamentally unhealthy in many important ways. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.